severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job We're on episode 7 now It's Jamie, yes I'm back Thank you very much to Elliot for um, covering for me last week um, As many of you will know, uh, sadly uh, my granddad passed away last week Which was uh, a very difficult time for me and my family uh, as many of my friends who are listening will know, uh, me and my granddad were very, very close. So it was quite a difficult thing to go through for me. And I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone who got in touch to send me a really nice, kind message and you know just let me know that you were there and stuff. I really appreciated it. I was honestly blown away by, by how many people sent me some quite kind messages. So I appreciate that, guys. And um, yeah, no, I know it's been a, a really difficult year for us all, um, 2020. So... We're nearly there, nearly in 2021, so let's hope for brighter times on the horizon. No, but I feel very lucky because the podcast has been like a really good place for me to sort of forget about what's been going on in the real world and it's been a nice distraction and I, I love doing this and I'm glad people are listening and, and I'm glad that it uh, seems to be going okay. Anyway, last week I was lucky enough to get the chance to sit down and have a very nice chat with my friend, Jonathan Melville, who is a screenwriter, he's a published author, and he's been, he was a journalist for many years. He's done a lot of quite interesting creative things. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. And I'll be back at the end with a special announcement. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Jamie. Good to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Yeah, you're the, you're the, I feel like you're our most professional guest so far because I've actually got a copy of your book in front of me. So it's a very fancy. A little bit professional. I, I, <laughs> listen, I just make it all up as I go along, like, like a lot of people do. Yeah. It just so happens I've been doing it a bit longer maybe than some other people. So. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, so usually start the episodes just by sort of asking the guests, like, so what's the earliest uh, creative memories you have? So when you were growing up as a, a youngster? Oh, that's a tough one. Earliest creative memories. I suppose it, it would be going back to to school, to primary school maybe. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember writing little short stories in class. I remember we had a, what was he called? I can't remember the name, but just like someone who, because I used to live in the Highlands for, for many years. Yeah. And, uh, and up, up there they used to be, and I'm sure everywhere really, but there were storytellers would sometimes go into the schools. Mm. And uh, this guy was from somewhere in the, on, on the, from the Highlands. And he would come over and just sit and talk, give us, tell us stories for a few hours. Anyway, I can remember there was a, there was a competition to write, write short stories. So I did that and I think I won three pounds or something and a prize. But Do you remember uh, what the story was about? Do I don't actually. I'm trying to think about. It. I know. I know. I had many years. My mum had a little award framed on the wall, but I think it was some sort of fantasy thing. Because I love sort of uh, sci-fi and fantasy and you know sort of weird stuff. So it was probably something about that. And then just moving forward, I don't know. Just 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 writing stuff, I suppose. Really, I remember trying to write little stories. I, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who, and yeah. I remember back in the sort of uh, I don't know maybe early '90s um, in my bedroom trying to write Doctor Who stories. 
<laughs> I never got very far. I wasn't very good. No, that you know that's actually really interesting because on last week's episode, uh, which is will be coming out soon, with which was with Matt Boyle, who's an actor, and he talked about how he grown up Doctor Who influenced his acting. So it's, I think it's just interesting that you're talking about influence your writing. No, but I was also like a massive uh, Doctor Who fan. But I mean, your your Doctor Who memories would be a lot earlier. So like, do you remember who was who was like the Doctor when you were a kid? Then well, I remember watching Doctor Who for when I was wee. So that would have been probably Peter Davison, the fifth Doctor. Yeah. Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker. But I really got into Doctor Who properly with the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. So yeah. that was kind of 87, 88. Uh, and unfortunately, that was when the series got cancelled. It got cancelled. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, or not actually cancelled, but it got taken off the air. So just as I was becoming a fan, it got taken away. But yeah. actually, that was a really good thing. I, you know, bizarrely talking about creativity. The funny thing about Doctor Who getting taken away was the fans kind of took over and for maybe 15 years or something fans were writing new stories and and uh, creating audio dramas and things so I think I was quite again inspired by reading I used to get the novels every month and mm -hmm. um, the audio thing so and also looking at the history of the show as well this yeah. shit was I don't want this to become a Doctor Who podcast no it's okay the other interesting thing was at that point there were kind of 25 years of, of history of that show and so because there was nothing new or no new series I, I began investigating the past you know looking back to the 1960s when Doctor Who was created and then that took that actually did my you know this you mentioned the Highlander book that's obviously about an old film and it's about what went on behind the scenes and that's the sort of stuff that I was reading about when I was maybe 15 or 16 you know and most so people it's all, all, always been a sort of big interest of you then through Doctor Who, yeah, Doctor Who was like the gateway yeah. drug, I think, yeah. to a lot, of, a lot of things. And then I yeah. started looking into other TV shows that were made by the people that made Doctor oh, Who. Wow. So, um, so again, you know, that sort of has has kept with me, and I and I love reading about the past and and you know film history and stuff like that. So. Which I'm, we're we're going to talk about plenty of as we go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just yeah. another another segment. I'm actually I'm going to start adding on to the podcast because a few episodes we talked about where people are from and their hometowns and stuff. But I wondered. I know you you were born in Edinburgh and you you know spent a lot of time. Did you live in Australia for a year as well? Did you say? Yeah, we emigrated. My family emigrated. Yeah, in 1982, yeah. but it didn't didn't work out, so we came mm. back. And then you were in the Highlands, so I just I just wondered, yeah. like, how the places you lived influenced your creativity and stuff. Yeah, well, I think without this becoming again, not it's not a Doctor Who podcast. It's <laughs> also not a psychology podcast, but I do. I've been thinking about it a bit over the years, and then I think moving from a city and having lots of friends here, because this is where I was from, moving to a little village in the Highlands where. Although my my granny was there and, and yeah. cousins and things were nearby, I didn't really know that many people. So actually, funnily enough, around that time I was getting into Doctor Who and I think it was kind of an escape from the real world in a way. And it was kind of me sort of maybe going into myself a bit more and just sort of getting a bit more introverted perhaps because I was like, well, you know, I don't know that many people. I'll just watch this TV show and other TV shows. <laughs> So I think there was probably something in that moving away and moving to somewhere more. There wasn't much to do really, apart from, okay, you can go and play golf. It was a, a place called Golfsby up in the Highlands and there was a golf course and you could go out on your bike and go down the beach. But as someone who used to love going to the cinema, I used to love going to see things like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future at the cinema in Edinburgh. We went there, there was no cinema. It was like two hours away by train. So yeah, so no, I think it did influence me and, and affect me a bit. And 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 I and it's I became obsessed with yeah. media and telly and film so you moved back to edinburgh when you were 18 or didn't you to study was it as publishing you did for your undergrad yeah, yeah yeah it was publishing which i don't know not to have regrets and things but i do look back a bit i found recently my mum took down i've got it beside me here 
a box of stuff that's still in the house. Um, she now lives in Inverness. She took down all the stuff and in there was this leaflet about working at the BBC, <laughs> which I'd obviously stolen from the library. It's just like a little leaflet, but it's it's yeah. stamped with the, the school library stamp. So oh, that wow. would have been 1993 or something. So at that point I was thinking about telly, but I but I didn't know anyone who worked in telly and you know there was nothing up there you could do to do yeah. telly. And I always thought London is where you went to do that. And I think my grades were, were fine, but um, I think I needed like an extra couple of A's to do maybe communications or journalism. So publishing was sort of the next best thing because I like books. So yeah, so I came and did that. And, and of course, around that time, the internet was, was growing. So here yeah. was us all learning about publishing print books and magazines. And at the same time, the internet was sort of taking <laughs> over slowly. Yeah. So by the time I graduated, jobs, I mean, there were still lots of jobs, but they were all in London, really, it felt like. And I needed to know more about the internet. So it was a weird time to be doing that course. But I'm sure it came yeah. some came in somewhat handy when you, you know, came to do your own books later in life. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you... I, don't, I don't regret doing it. But at the same yeah. time, I do sort of think, well, what if I maybe push myself to do something in telly or, or done more with journalism? And I've sort of pushed myself into journalism, but yeah. I'm not a proper journalist. I've sort of made it up as I go along. <laughs> I think I think most of us are are doing that you know now as well so I think that's fair and like I think also like the whole point especially in the creative industries is you often like end up finding your way into other you know, jobs you didn't expect to do or are doing things and they you know end up sort of helping you discover you have a different interest and stuff so I suppose it's all part of the journey um, totally you have to go through doing the stuff that you don't really want to do mm-hmm. to realize that you don't want to do it and you want to do something else <laughs> yeah i think especially like part-time jobs to pay the bills are like that as well definitely so, keep you motivated and stuff so you um went did you, you went traveling for a bit after you graduated from that didn't you yeah so i was working um in the royal bank of scotland out at the guile here in edinburgh um when i was a student for a fair for a bit of that time just just obviously paid the bills and things and then when i graduated the help there was not really much help mm. to get jobs back then you were just sort of thrown out and that was it. You just, right, see you later. So I was doing this job. And then one day I remember just waking up and watching GMTV, I think it was, or whatever it was at the time. <laughs> and they were in Australia and they had like, yeah. they used to do episodes at Christmas time from Australia. And all the local, all the, the British people would go down to Sydney Harbour and send mm-hmm. messages home. And I remember it's freezing cold and I was getting ready to go to work at the Guile <laughs> on the bus in the dark. And people were in Australia. And I thought that's where I need to be. <laughs> so that's why I decided right next year I'm going to go to Australia so I did I did and my flatmate was meant to come with me but he backed out at the last minute so I went on my own there's a lovely bit in the in your book in the Highlander book that is because I know you've got two books and it, you talk about in the intro how you took like I love that you said you took Highlander with you on that trip didn't you and it made you remind you at home I, I thought that was really nice like I, I, I like the idea of you going about with like you know Highlander with you to keep you yeah. keep you thinking of home yeah yeah I mean, that's the sad, that's the, that's the obsessive part of me, I think. But, you know, I remember being in Australia and carrying about a bag of books everywhere I went. <laughs> and I'm not, not, saying, not the same books, I would get other ones and, and go to, but I was going to bookshops and secondhand bookshops and buying books. And I, go, I want to read that just like I would do here. And but I had to carry them around. So it was always a hassle. But yeah, that obsessive nature again, that obsessive fandom thing. I was like, I love Highlander. I'll just take it with me and put it on in, in, the, in the hostels. Yeah. Did they all like it? Did they enjoy that? I think, I mean, yeah, I think people mostly did. Sometimes people just said, no, you can't watch that. <laughs> but a lot of the time, people just let me do it, which yeah. is a bit daft. Look, looking, but I mean, now, of course, it's fine. Now you just have your phone and you would have Highlander on your phone or anything. 
hours worth of stuff. But back then, no, you just had to have a 90 minute video and that was I it. think that makes it more special though. I've never, obviously, I mean, I'm too young to really have ever experienced that sort of, you know, thing. And I think that make must make it more special, like a film or, or a vinyl or something, you, you know, making you know, a piece of music, for example, back in the day when you could just listen to one album. It must've been so special to have that. So yeah, you had to be really selective and, and plan it, I suppose, and think, right, what do I really love? Because I'm gonna have yeah. to watch it or listen to it over and over again. I forgot to see. Yeah, we're spoiled now. Uh, well, that's the thing. I've got so many podcasts on my phone. I don't know about hundred or something, and I I can't. I I listen to maybe three or four a week, and I, and I miss so many now. But I'm the, I'm the exact same. And same with albums and stuff. I find myself like I've got like what am I listening to? I've got like so much, you know, different types of music. Sometimes it's like I don't know where to even start. <laughs> I'd say there's so many that you don't listen to any. Yeah, same, same with TV and stuff. Even like finding a TV series to like watch, you're like, where, like if you go on Netflix or something, there's like hundreds, hundreds of stuff. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's that whole. That's that classic thing. You end up scrolling through so many things rather yeah. than watching something. And it's a funny. It's a funny time for media, yeah. which is why it's funny in media at this time. But well, I'm sure we'll get on to that. But you weren't just in Australia on this trip, were you? Uh, to go back to that, you were. You travelled. You do you go to LA and stuff as well. The first time we went to Australia when I was, as I say, when I was five, I remember we went via Los Angeles and went to Disneyland. Oh, nice. And I thought, and although it was a few years later, I remember really enjoying it. So I thought, well, I'll do the same again. So I went back via LA and uh, I think I went to Universal Studios that time. I went to see Back to the Future and Terminator 2 <laughs> and stuff. But, but yeah, and then went to Australia and then on the way back decided to just take my time. There was no job to come back to. So yeah. I thought, I'll just take my time. So I went to Thailand for a few for a month and then China and on the Trans-Mongolian Express, Express wow. which was brilliant. I think it was like 12 days on the train going through Siberia and Mongolia and places. It was fantastic. Sounds great. Make a bit jealous. Well, we can't travel at the moment, obviously, because of COVID. So, oh, like. <laughs> yeah. No, it was brilliant fun. And meeting, just people you would meet as well. Like I can remember sitting on this train going to Mongolia and there were two guys who couldn't speak English. I think they were they were from Mongolia and, and, and I couldn't, couldn't really speak to them. But I did have, I had Queen, bizarrely. There's a theme here of Queen yeah, Island. Yeah, definitely. It's hits on my Walkman. And I just remember this guy sitting listening to Queen. So he knew Queen. Oh, wow. And I think I had a, a copy of the Daily Record with Sean Connery in the front of it. And I remember pointing it where I was from. So That's people brilliant. knew Sean Connery, maybe didn't know Scotland, but they knew us, you know, so. A uh, number of decades ago, when I started in this business, I was told by someone who seemed to know what he was talking about, that I should take lessons to erase permanently my accent so that I could play parts without wearing a kilt and so that the American audiences could understand what the hell I was saying. Well, it's quite obvious by now that I didn't take his advice. I love that yeah. how art can cut through language like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's amazing how like music can, can do that. Or, or, yeah, or all it, art forms, really. Totally, yeah, yeah. People from different backgrounds and different languages, but we get connected by, by something that's familiar to us all, yeah. So you come back from your travels and it's, do you go to Inverness at this point, don't you? Yeah, my mum had moved to Inverness at that point. When I was away, she met someone because she was, the reason we moved to the Highlands is because my mum got uh, divorced. So she was on her own, I suppose. And then she met someone. And so she moved to Inverness. So I moved back to Scotland to her new house yeah. with her and her new, new 
partner, which was quite bizarre. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I got a job in Inverness at Visit Scotland, which I think was, had just become Visit Scotland. I think it was still the Scottish Tourist Board and they were rebranding. Anyway, yeah, so I did some, some work there and um, I think I was quite annoying, they told me afterwards, because I used to just... Because they would tell you what to do, obviously. It was like data entry or something. But I would I would sort of say, well, can you not do it like this? Or is there not a better way to do this? And they were like, just just do what we've told you to do. You only get paid to do really boring stuff. <laughs> yeah, you were but too I, creative I, I for was, them. Basically, yeah. Although I probably wasn't the most creative thing in the world. I think I was like, oh, maybe you could try this or try that. And, and then a job came up in Edinburgh. So I applied for that and got it. And I was doing website content. So the, the publishing thing, I managed to get a little bit of work in Australia using the publishing degree mm-hmm. uh, on some magazines over there. And then this website job was basically doing what I did for the magazine, but for online. So that was kind of finally moving into the online world. And that sort of led into you start becoming a freelance journalist, all that stuff, didn't it? Sort of. Yeah, kind of. I suppose, I mean, that was me creating. So I suppose the the, the tourism, the Visit Scotland job was all about, it was a tourism website for tourism businesses. So it was creating content for them and um, looking after the, the content management system. And so... I suppose it was then I maybe realised that I enjoyed writing. Because I don't mm. think I was doing that much of it before. Apart from a little bit on the course, we did a, a, a course magazine on the uni course. And I did something about Braveheart, I think it was just out. And Braveheart and train spotting must have been around about the same time. Yeah. I remember writing this thing for them about, you know, is is this the start of the new Scottish film industry? Is it going to be massive? Because it was huge at the time, you know, Braveheart yeah. and, and train spotting. And it wasn't really the start of an industry at all, but... So yeah, so I suppose just then as as the job, as the, the full-time jobs that were, were happening at Visit Scotland and other companies, behind the scenes, I was just realising I wanted to be more creative. So I suppose then I started, and then a blogging kind of, you know, WordPress and, and whatever started coming in at that point, or, or at least I became aware of WordPress. And I can remember asking a friend of mine to show me how to how to use <laughs> WordPress. And yeah, so just started blogging and, and just the... the to, to say, you know, I, I remember, at one, I can't remember quite at what point, but I do remember thinking I enjoyed going to the theatre and going to see films and going to the Edinburgh Film Festival, but I got a bit sick of paying for it. So I just remember somehow realising that if you could write a review, you could get free tickets. <laughs> so that's what I started doing. And I sent, you know, send the, the marketing person at the Lyceum an email and say, I'll review your, your new play if you give me two tickets. And they did. Which is so, amazing. And the same wow. at the Film Festival. And that's where it all started, really, is me, I think, just in a bag tickets, but actually trying hard to write a good review rather than just, you know, any old rubbish. No, no, I, the, so, the, the film review thing, like, I've, I, I've done a bit of it in the past, and it's the best feeling ever when you get to go to some for free. I don't know why, but just getting, like, the free tickets and you can go, because I don't know, I feel, you feel like a VIP almost, even though you're just reviewing yeah. it for them. It's a good feeling. You feel like you're beating the system a little bit as well, I think, yeah. in that you're, you know, because the system, normality is, yes, you pay, you watch, you go home. And I think I was more, more just obviously wanting to critique a bit more and try and analyse things a bit more. And that's where it sort of it started my, my interest in, in writing properly, I suppose. But but I wasn't entirely sure how good I was. That was the other thing. I did have a sort of doubt in my mind. You know, I thought I could do this more professionally, but I wasn't sure if I was very good at it. So I can remember enrolling on a course at um, Edinburgh Uni. I think it was called something like, it was something about film reviewing. It was like, I don't know, basics of film reviewing. It was, it was a better title than that. <laughs> but I remember signing up to that and thinking, well, if I get good marks in this, then maybe this means I can do this. And yeah. if I don't, because who tells you, you know, if you write a film review, usually people on a blog don't 
nobody really replies. And, and I just thought, okay, if I do this course, so I did, and I got really good marks. And that kind of gave me the confidence to do more. Yeah. No, I was just um, going to sort of just say about like the review stuff as well. It's like, I suppose, because you were talking about earlier, you know, growing up and stuff and, you know, not feeling TV and film feeling kind of like a far away thing from, you know, where you were. Mm-hmm. Do you think like the review stuff was also maybe you fi- feeling that you could finally almost be part of it, but not quite? Probably was. Uh, I mean, I used to, I suppose, being a fan of things like Doctor Who, let's say, for example, uh, I was always at some point where you become aware that people create this stuff. And then I would see people creating things like I mentioned those spin-off novels or audios. And and, and because of websites and forums and um, discussion forums and things, I would, I would sort of realise that I knew some of the people that were writing reviews or writing for magazines. And I think I probably got a little bit jealous and I probably thought, how did they get to do that stuff? And I don't. And everybody seems to be doing this and I just have nothing to do with it. So, yeah, I suppose it was me trying to to push myself into that world a little bit and think, well, if they can do it, then maybe I can do it, which is how things like, I mean, that the next step for me was ended up writing for the, I think it was the Skinny magazine, actually, yeah. the Skinny newspaper or magazine. And I think it was just a case of getting in touch and then writing stuff for free for them. Because nobody really seemed to pay. And uh, and then they had Evening News, who were looking for someone, someone I knew, actually, when I was working at the Royal Bank of Scotland years ago, had ended up writing art stuff for the Evening News. And I knew him. And then when he was leaving to move to London, he suggested me to do stuff for them. So it's through knowing people as well. I think that obviously helps, but oh, it, de- anyway, so it definitely up, does. Yeah, just to say quickly, I just end up writing stuff for the evening news, doing reviews, and then they asked if they wanted to do a film column. So I did that for five years. And what do you actually? Is there, was there a column you remember being your favourite in that time, like a film column you particularly loved doing? Well, because it was weekly, it was really a lot of it is just I can't remember any of them really. So it was one a week for five years. Yeah, and that's a I hard start, question. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, but it was five hundred words a column for this at the start and I think it went down to maybe 400 and then it went down to 300 over time and what I did notice is that I ended up repeating myself a lot because yeah. uh, I was writing about film stuff so you'd be asked to do stuff about uh, obviously when the Oscars came around you'd have to write something about that or you know then you would write something about when, the, when a new sequel came out I might mention about how there's too many sequels but then the next six months later another se- you know there's always sequels coming out so yeah. I was always repeating myself with stuff like that and and I think after a few years I thought I can't do this anymore I was I remember yeah. finding it really difficult to come up with something new every week and at one point it was just I was dreading it and I sort of mm. I think I had to submit it on a Tuesday for a for maybe a Friday going live yeah. for the Thursday and I can remember over the weekend she came up with ideas and I just couldn't so yeah, I don't know if that adds, it doesn't really no, answer the question. That, that's okay though. I think that's that's fair. Like I think film reviewing and and, t- and reviewing in general is hard sometimes because I would find when I did it, I was always just given good reviews of things I liked. But there's only yeah. so much you can do that, isn't there? Because you're like, well, is this actually adding anything? Like I'm just saying I like a show at the end. Of the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I respect the people like Care Mode and stuff who do it every week and make it interesting. Well, the weird thing is about it, well, maybe not weird, but the thing is the evening news, like a lot of local newspapers, buy in their reviews from um, a central place in London. I think it's London anyway. So they would get all the reviews written for them and the same review would go on multiple papers. So I couldn't really write much actual reviews because if my view differed from the one on the next page, which they bought in, 
then that was a problem because that was a oh, you know, of course, different, yeah. if I wrote a two star and they give it five <laughs> stars then so I uh, had to reason and come up with new ideas that weren't just about reviews so it was talking mm-hmm. about an actor or you know about I don't know Sean Connery films or maybe what I was trying I tried to move it more into what was happening in Edinburgh so you know what was happening at the cameo and things but if I wrote about something like I remember one time trying to write something about the Middle Eastern Film Festival which you know that's a niche market I guess but I think there were some good films on and I remember getting into into trouble a little bit yeah. I've been told not enough people want to read about the Middle Eastern Film Festival and also got told off once for using a couple of big words because I don't know, evening news readers apparently don't like big words. So it was a little oh, bit God. of yeah. news readers, if anyone's listening that, listen, that reads it. But um, <laughs> that's what I was told. And also their demographics kept changing and they kept saying, yeah. you know, because newspapers are still, of course, in a, in a really bad place, they would decide that their key audience was maybe over 50s. And then six months later, no, no, it was 20-year-olds they want to appeal to. And then six months later, it was like 35-year-olds. So you sometimes get these weird emails saying, can you change what you're writing about to fit this audience? Oh, anyway, it was a good experience. The point, oh, yeah. the point of the whole thing is good experience because I learned to take, I don't want to say orders, that sounds bad, but, you know, people would, your editor would sort of say, can you try this? And then I would try it. And, to to yeah. collaborate with other people's ideas and let go of your own, maybe, is a good way of... A bit of that, yeah. Yeah. Hi guys, hope you're enjoying this episode of Just Get A Real Job. If you're really enjoying the podcast, remember to follow us on all streaming platforms. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to give us a review. We really do appreciate your support, so remember to share this with your friends and family so they too can enjoy the next episodes of Just Get A Real Job. And now, back to the show. That sort of segues in nicely to something I want to talk to you about, which is your, which is Real Scotland, which you run, and you started mm. that in two thousand and ten. Which is, I which can I just say is an amazing little thing you have going. I, I love how passionate you are about Scottish cinema and and Scot and the, you know the creative industries in Scotland because it's something which you know a lot of people don't put enough energy into, and I, I think it's something we you know I'm very passionate about as well. So I, I really, it's a really little good little uh, website that you have. So I just wondered if you'd mind sort of talking about how that came about and stuff. Yeah, well, that started. Well, thanks, thanks first of all for saying that. That's nice to hear. But um, that started because the column I did for the evening news was called Real Time, R E E L, which I didn't name, but my editor did. But so that was Real Time. And I remember once also writing something about Glasgow. I think I mentioned that a film had been filmed in Glasgow, had been shot in Glasgow, or maybe it was some of the Glasgow Film Festival. And again, that was one of those situations where I was told, you can't mention Glasgow in the Edinburgh Evening News. Yeah. People don't like it, which, you know, okay, fair enough. So I remember that, that, that stuck with me and I thought, well, what if I want to write about Glasgow or Inverness or Dundee or anything? So that's where real Scotland started. And I thought, I'll just do it myself because no one else seems to be doing it. And I admittedly, probably, you know, the artistic side of it wasn't there as much as the whole, <laughs> I still want to try and get some free tickets here. So I was still trying to, you know, applying to film festivals using that website. But once again, you, I, I didn't feel I could just blag it and write something badly. I wanted to try and do something well. So that's when I would try and find slightly different people to interview rather than just the same old. So I would maybe try and speak to, I don't know, a costume designer of, of something or a director rather than just the star of a film or a TV yeah. show. So, so yeah. And, and, and for quite a few years, I was able to devote more time to the website 
And a couple of friends actually started, I approached them at the start and said, do you want to help out with it? And they did for a little while, a few, maybe a year or two. But I think they just got bored probably with the workload and probably because nothing much was happening because yeah. there was no advertising on it. It wasn't making any money. It was just using up your, your evenings to write stuff <laughs> and people. And so, yeah, so it's still going. It's still ticking over. It's a bit slower than it was just because when I get a job, you know, if I'm working full time or... I don't know. Or if there's a bit of a downward trend in the industry. I mean, I say industry, I don't quite know. Still hard to know what to call Scotland's film and TV industry. I mean, there sort of is one, of course, because people work mm. in it, but I tell you more than film. But there have been ups and downs over the years. And I think yeah. there was probably a point maybe four or five years ago when there just wasn't much happening. So mm. if, if there's not much to write about, it's difficult to keep yeah. generating stuff. But I want to try and get it up and running properly. I'm trying to commit to at least one one story a month, whereas in the past it was maybe at the start maybe ten or twelve or something. But I'd rather have quality than quantity. So of course, no, of course, it's like one of those things where it, I mean, because obviously this podcast is sort of, a lot of it's aimed at emerging artists and people are starting out their careers in the industry and stuff. And I think something that's an important lesson is it's it's difficult to find time for stuff when you have to pay the bills and you have other projects on the go. So sometimes it, yeah, it's about like as you say, quality over quantity sometimes. I think it's an important lesson in that. I actually, you sort of touched on it there, but something I wanted to ask you about, because I know you're you know, obviously very passionate about Scott, Scott, this, you know, the Scott, Scottish landscape of the, in you know, terms of film and TV and stuff. How do you feel it is at the moment? And are you confident that it's going to get better in the coming years? Yeah, funnily enough, so Real Scotland's been in a few different platforms over the years, or, or you know, sort of WordPress and, uh, well, WordPress mainly. And... Just before the pandemic, I was trying to move it over to a different one. So it's this thing called Substack, which is more yeah. of a newsletter type thing. But I remember writing, this must have been sort of February or March, I started writing a kind of a new blog post to, to launch this new look site on this new system. Yeah. And I think the title was something like, where did it all go so right? So I, and I think it's still in draft. And I was being really positive. And this was before the pandemic. Mm. And because I think um, Jason Connery's new film studio had been announced there were some new details of new funds that screen scotland were, were releasing and i was sort of saying you know it's been a rough few years and things have been a bit quiet but now things are really on the rise and i put that in draft and then probably within about two or three weeks the pandemic hit and lockdown oh, happened yeah and i remember thinking i can't really put a blog post out saying where did it all go so right when everything's just gone wrong. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe. So the point I suppose there is, yes, I think it, things were getting better and it felt, it, it sort of, I suppose it still does in a way, but it's interesting looking around and seeing so many news stories coming out about small production companies, mainly in Glasgow, a lot of them in Glasgow, starting new, new, well, starting up and also working on new projects and new films and TV shows. And, and even in Inverness now, there's Happy Tramp, uh, North, I think they're called. Oh, who wow. do guilt? BBC Scott. Yeah, I actually started watching that yesterday, and first yeah. episode, really good, really good. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great little show, and they're just they're now making series two. So, um, I think your question was how are things, what are things like now? So, I think, I, I, of course, we're now in a pandemic, so I don't know, but mm. but it does feel like in Edinburgh, with this new TV show about to be made, the Rig, which is quite very exciting. Yeah, in, in, definitely. Again, in Connery Studio. I can't remember the name of the studio, but there's been talk that they should try and call it the Sean Connery Studio, which that would be quite be nice. very apt. But um, no, so I suppose overall, I am positive, and I think that's one reason that I, I'm doing the 
the course that we were both on together. Yeah. I guess I'm maybe jumping too far there. No, but don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll come to it. <laughs> I think it's partly just looking around and thinking, do I... And Well, the other thing as well is just me looking... At, I was looking at myself and thinking, do I just want to be consuming all the time or should I try and create something different or new? What know? it was was you know, something in your book which I really liked you, that you wrote in the Highlander book again, which you talked about... Because I just watched the all Bruce Forsyth films this year. Apart from... I'd seen Gregory's Girl before. Um, have I said is that I say Bruce or it's Bill for Sight, isn't it? Bill for Sight, yeah. I said Bruce there, it was Bill. I meant I was thinking, yeah. oh, that's interesting. <laughs> one. Nice to see you. To see you. <laughs> yeah, Bill for Sight, totally different people there. Yeah, I, so I'd seen Gregory's Girl and I, I love Gregory's Girl. He's a, a lovely little film. But this year I watched Local Hero and I've just watched That Sinking Feeling, which are all three are, you know, good in their own ways. Particularly yeah. local hero, which I love. But you, there was something really. Lo- I just liked the way you'd written this, and it was. You basically said that like everyone kept saying, you know, we're waiting for the next Bill for Sive, but then they never sort of came. And I, I just really yeah. liked that little bit of writing there because I, I thought, yeah. yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that is a funny thing. I think. It, well, yeah, you, you sort of said it there. I mean, I think I remember interviewing Bill Patterson. Or not, I didn't even interview him. I was in the a car with him. We did an event and in the Highlands a few years ago. Uh, I used to work for a cinema called The Screen Machine, which is a mobile cinema in the Highlands. And we did an event in Malig with Local Hero one day, with mm. Bill Forsyth, actually. And the next day we did one in Dorney, which is where Elon, Elon Don and Castle is, with Bill Patterson, who's in The Chibi, The Stag and the Black Black Oil. Mm-hmm. And he's also in The uh, Comfort and Joy, this other Bill Forsyth film. I don't know if you've watched that one yet. I've not seen that one. It's on my list, though. But Comfort and Joy was sort of his maybe his fourth film I think I think it came yeah. after Local Hero and I just remember him saying you know he he remember being at the premiere at the Edinburgh Film Festival and he said he remembered the critics starting to turn on Bill Forsyth this doesn't quite answer your question but no it's uh, really interesting don't worry you're all good well he just said he said he remembered the, the critics were starting to turn on Bill Forsyth almost like it was his time to be cut down to size brought down because he was doing so well and people just turned against him and that film and he said he thought the film was actually really good, but it was more just like everyone was, was tired of Bill Forsyth because he was just doing so well. Um, so that's sort of, a t- again, I say a tangent. But but yeah, we Bill Forsyth is just a fascinating character and those those films are brilliant. And we have been waiting. <laughs> yeah. We're still waiting. The next Bill Forsyth. And that's the thing you always read. I always read over the years. I maybe, I've probably been guilty of saying it myself or writing it about it's not quite as good as Local Hero or... You know, not up to this. Nothing will be as as good as that, or or something. Just to sort of, we always refer back to things that have been successful in the past. And but but Scotland is just this. Where this, and I do. I think I say something else. Just about we need, and this is the same for all countries. I think, and all people in different countries, whether in England or Wales. But we need to see. We should be able to see ourselves on the screen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and don't in Scotland. I just think still. I just don't think we have enough of that. No, not at all. Not at no. all. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of social realism type stuff in Scotland, which seems to be like you get the odd film like that, like things like Angel Share, obviously Train Spotting, like a huge one, and then you get like the sort of Americanized Scotland, like you know the sort of Brigadoon type, you know that version of Scotland seems to be quite still quite well. I, I suppose Highlander has an element of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, documentary is is getting. I mean, it feels like this last ten years has been the time of documentary, and that's been on the rise and. And on Real Scotland, I was talking about the Scottish Documentary Institute probably 10 years ago. And now I work for them um, yeah. a couple of days a week, which I feel very privileged awesome. to do. Very good. But they've been doing 
fantastic work and, and hundreds of films have been made through them. And now with BBC Scotland Channel, those films are getting on telly plus lots of other ones. So I think documentary wise and factual wise, probably it's, a, it's actually a brilliant time in Scotland, but fiction wise, it just doesn't feel as good. We've got River City and this is nothing is about this is to say anything bad about anybody because it's great they, they exist and so many people get work, yeah. but we've got River City and now Guilt and a few things that appear like The Nest, I think, is it The Nest? Yeah, The Nest um, was Scottish, yeah. And the cry and things like that. So yeah, there are more. There are more, there's more happening. So your question earlier about am I kind of positive about what's happening? Yes, there's more happening, but still not enough. And I think we deserve. We should have more ongoing dramas up here, and not just things you have to wait a year to watch six episodes of. Totally, because yeah, people no. need the work as well as people need to be entertained. Yeah, they, they do, and it's you know it's important as you said to be able to see yourself on screen. I think that's something I'm very passionate about everyone having that opportunity. So I, I'll, I'll sort of talk to you about, let you talk about more about you now, because I feel like I'm asking you a lot of questions about other things. So no, thanks, okay. thanks for answering them all. They're really interesting. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about your books now. So talk. So you'd, re- you'd published two books today. So the first one is was a tr- uh, Tremors. It was about the Tremor films. And that was, you published, right. that, you published that yourself, actually, didn't you? Yeah, so I started, I did a couple of articles for a magazine called SFX, which is a kind of sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy magazine. One of them was on Tremors, which is this 1990 film, which I was a fan of and on all the sequels. And I pitched them an article on the 25th, 21st anniversary. So I wrote that, that was published. And I had lots of material left over and I thought this could be a book. No one's written a book on Tremors. I'd quite like to write a book, but I've never written a book. I don't know how to write a book. So I'm not going to write a book. So I kept postponing it and, I, and for years, actually. And I think I, I used to write notes down and I used to try and give myself these little five-year plans and try and work to a point. Yeah. You know, think, well, I want to do. So I think I had things like write for a newspaper. That was one of my goals because maybe 10 years ago, that was still a valid career mm-hmm. choice. And then I got to write for a newspaper and I was like, all right, okay, well, I've achieved that. So I need to have another plan. So I would like, you know, do stuff for the radio. I'd quite like to maybe do reviews on the radio. And then that I managed to get there from doing other things in between, sort of planning it out. So I got to there and I was like, right, what's my next one? So one of them was write a book. And because I had this content and I realized I could get in touch with famous people and interview them and they would be happy to do it, uh, I wrote this book. So, but I self-published it partly because a plan to publish it with someone that I sort of knew through work that fell apart and time was ticking. I thought, actually, I'm just going to do it myself because why, why should I have to rely on other people who might let me down? So I did. So I did that one. And then I had a pl- an idea for another one soon after, which came out this year. So that one was published by a, a proper publisher in Edinburgh, which yeah. is nice. So it's nice to have someone else involved. and I don't have to worry so much about page lengths and, I don't know, formatting and things. They can take care of it. Oh, well, I thought as well now we'll talk about, we can go, we'll talk about the screener and stuff in a sec, but I want to obviously talk about your, the, your sort of big thing this year, which is your new book, A Kind of Magic, the, Making the Original Highlander, which is sitting in front of me now, which I've started reading, which is a really good little book you'd written here. And you'd, it's doing quite well, it seems. You'd, I've been seeing a lot of it online, getting some good reviews and stuff. Seems to be, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, who knows when you start any project, how well it's going to be received. Uh, I wrote it, like I did with the Chairman's one, I wrote it because I wanted to read it and no one else yeah. had done it. That's brilliant. I sort of, well, I sort of think that's probably the way to do a lot of things. Unless somebody comes to you, of course, and says, hello, I want to pay you money to do this thing. <laughs> Unless that happens and you need to to create something yourself, you have an urge to, I think you need to really be invested in it and to enjoy it. 
otherwise you just get bored and give up. So I was really keen on, on Highlander and I thought, yeah, let's write this book. But no, so many people have, I mean, I shouldn't be that surprised, but a lot of people have said on Twitter and you know Facebook, this is my favourite film. I can't wait to read the book. And I feel slightly nervous, I guess, because it's like, I think, well, that's your favourite film. And I've just written about it. What if you don't like it? Or what if you know more about it than me and I've got yeah. something wrong in the book? Which is, that's, the most, I think that's the same with anything. But you think, what if I've made a mistake? But thankfully, not really. I think only maybe I've made two mistakes that have been pointed out to me. I'm sure there are more. Oh, okay. But no, so it's great. And, and people seem to be enjoying it. And, and it's coming out in America. I think it should be out in America now. <laughs> I should know. We, we, really. we have some listeners in America. So if you're in America, buy Jonathan's Highlander <laughs> book, all right? Please do. Yeah, it's on Amazon now. So, I mean, a boring-ish story, but it's, well, it's interesting to me. But the publisher is based in Edinburgh. And so he, there's not a US publisher just now. So he sent out a few hundred copies on a ship to get to America to go on Amazon. That's what you have to do. But it, there's so many pre-orders on Amazon that he had to get more printed in America, which is sadly why there's been a bit of a delay. And I think some people might not get it till after Christmas because it was popular mm-hmm. and maybe more popular than he thought. So... But that's really good, and I'm happy that you're, you know, you get the people are, you know, buying it and, and wanting to read it because it's an, it's really you put a lot of work into this book and you got into a lot of depth. It's some interesting stuff. Like I know you got some when Sean Connery passed away, or, or maybe before that, you got you were in like some newspapers as well. So some of what you'd written had actually been picked up by. That must be yeah. quite exciting as well. That's nice, uh, but that's partly to do with I think I mentioned there earlier about knowing people or about who you know. It's not all about who you know. But it helps the fact that I have done a bit of this sort of film journalism stuff in the past and I know people through that. And so I could kind of email them and say, would you be interested in doing this you know, directly rather than just being someone who maybe doesn't know anyone at the papers and the radio as well. So Radio Scotland, who I used to do some some pieces for, I used to go on sometimes and do reviews or go and interview people. So I can email someone there and say, would you be up for, do you want me to come on and, and talk about it? So it's it's good to know people. But also the, the content has to be interesting, otherwise they won't have you on. So thankfully, Sean Connery being in the film and there being new stories about him in the book is, is a bonus. But yeah, I wanted the book as well just to be, to ha- it had to have new stuff in there that people didn't know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there wasn't any point in doing it. And I've read so many books where you are a fan of something and you read it and it tells you everything you knew already and there's nothing new. And you think, yeah. why did they just spend £12 on that? Because... I knew it all. It's a nice cover. It's got a pretty cover, nice pictures, but I knew it all. Whereas, thankfully, people have been saying, you know, I didn't know that, and you've told me something new. So, yeah, I did spend a lot of time on it, a few years (laughs) on it, a lot of late nights and early mornings. But the fact that people are enjoying it and learning something new and gaining something is brilliant. That makes it all worthwhile. From another time comes a man of great power. Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. And you got to interview because in Queen for this, didn't you? You got to speak to Brian May uh, for when you wrote this book. That must have been amazing. That was brilliant. Yeah, Brian May and Roger Taylor. And I'd been approaching them for years and emailing their agent <laughs> for years to say, can I interview them? And he kept saying, well, possibly, but they're busy. They're on tour. And they would always be in Singapore or Australia or, I don't know, 
you know, some other country. Uh, so I emailed probably every six months for about three years. And then the pandemic happened. And I sort of thought, is it a wrong, is this the wrong time? <laughs> because people are, you know, dying, sadly, and it's a, it's a bad time. But then I saw Brian and Roger on Instagram constantly, you know, saying things and, and, and sharing music and stuff. And I thought, oh, let's try it. So, yeah, so I emailed. And then within about a day or so, I got an email back saying, yeah, they'd be up for that. Oh, yeah. So that, that was good because I was a bit scared that that whole music chapter on the music wasn't going to be much. Because without them, sadly, Michael Kamen, who wrote the score for the film, he died maybe 10 years ago or more. So, of course, I couldn't speak to him. And he didn't do many interviews. So, yeah, so thankfully they came to my rescue. And, again, there's new stuff in there. I'd not, I did a lot of research into Queen and a lot of the stuff they told me, I didn't read anywhere else. So it's just, it's great to have that, to have new stuff that people don't know about. I don't know, it's, it's great. And, you know, as you say, it's a really nice book. And I know you're doing like a signed edition. You get like a wee pamphlet thing as well with it. People can yeah, buy. it was just because we had so many photos left over. We decided to create a little limited edition book, which if you order it through the publisher, you can get through Polaris publishing.com oh. well, we'll link all this stuff at the end for you we'll, we'll link oh. all your books and websites and stuff at the, um, oh. underneath so look out for that people well i'm happy that your book's doing well and yeah that's good because i remember when we first met which we're about to talk about the screenwriting stuff so that's how we know yeah. each other i remember you, were, you sort of said oh i'm working on this book so it was brilliant to see it you publish it and you know see it come out and stuff especially this year when there's you know a lot of doom and gloom so yeah it's good yeah the only downside is i've not been able to have a launch party or a launch event because i was really looking forward to doing something i mean at the film house in edinburgh or you know eden court in inverness which i did with tremors and of course i couldn't so yeah, maybe, I'm hoping next, maybe next year yeah yeah i think it's next year's the 35th anniversary of highlander so mm. we so i'm kind of glad we did it a bit early so it means that for the actual anniversary maybe maybe the world will get back to normal a bit by the end yeah. of next year oh definitely fingers crossed for that so we'll sort of go on to the, the screenwriting stuff now, um, which is your sort of your newest thing you're up to. So I know you did the intro course to, to screenwriting as well, um, which I also did a couple of years ago. That's how I got into it. We did it obviously a different time. But um, yeah. so you'd always, as you said earlier, you'd, you always sort of, you'd felt like you, you wanted to start creating stuff yourself as, as, as opposed to just consuming stuff. So was that sort of the main drive to get into screenwriting stuff? I think so. Yeah, I think having written so many reviews and interviewed so many filmmakers and actors and, and cast and crew, I think I was just so, I don't want to say, I don't think jealous, jealous isn't the right word, but, but inspired, I suppose, mm. or... I would just see them creating. I get back to this word creating. I, I saw people creating things and I was just thinking, oh, why can't I wish I could do that? Or sometimes I would watch things, which we all do, and we, th- we say that that rubbish. I could do better than that. No, definitely. And actually, you probably can't. And there's many reasons why it's that bad. <laughs> Maybe it started off brilliantly, but I think we've learned through doing the course that you can start with something being, okay, you like to think it's amazing. But then other people get involved and directors and, you know, budgetary reasons, things just don't yeah. end up very well. So I suppose, yeah, it was partly wanted to be creative, partly wanted to see if I could do it myself. That that I, but, but I'd done screenwriting classes over the years, probably for about 10 years or more. I'd Every few years I would do another night class. So I did one at Edinburgh Uni. I think I did like, the, they had like three different ones you could do over the year, but they always filled up really quickly. So I think I only ever got to do like the, the first one and then I could never get the next one and I forgot to book and that sort of stuff. And then I remember doing a summer class at Edinburgh Uni as well. I think it was like a week long thing, which was brilliant fun and just going in every day and spending the day writing scripts. For whatever reason, I came home from 
from work, when I got back to work, I just didn't have the energy or the ideas, maybe the enthusiasm to write mm-hmm. a script. So I could do my website stuff and I could write about films, but that whole actually next level of writing a film or a script or a TV show, I didn't do. So yeah, so I did the night class, I guess, once again, thinking, okay, let's have another go at this. And then I gra- and then I finished, it was a really long class. That was 22 weeks. It was amazing. It was really cheap. I think it was like- Really good deal. I'd recommend that actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If anyone's listening, have a, have a go at this. Yeah, if, if you want to get into it, yeah, go and do this little intro course. It's, it's such good value for money. And Nigel, who runs it, is a brilliant teacher. Really good. I'll link that in the end as well. Yeah, no, it was great. And I met some really interesting people. But my aim was, I don't know what my aim was, but it was just to, to, to sort of enjoy it. And then I once again went back to work, my sort of full-time job and, and life got back to normal again after doing the course. <laughs> and I mentioned in my notes to you, you know, I had a, I don't really want to go into it because it's, we well, don't want to hear about it. But okay. basically there was a time when my work was going really well and then it all started to go a bit wrong. And so I left a job that I kind of enjoyed and jumped to another job, which was fine. And the people were very nice, but I realized it wasn't very, once again, I'll say the word creative and it wasn't very enjoy. It just wasn't as enjoyable as I thought it might be. And so I just remember thinking at one point, probably it was a beautiful day. I think in the sort of summertime sitting in the, you know, going to my lunch or something, I think, what am I doing? And then thinking, I really want to do this screenwriting thing. And I thought, right, well, I'll just, maybe I need to leave this job. And I do remember asking them, you know, could I go down to four days a week? Because the course, if I'd done it full time a week, which still would have been probably mm. quite difficult to do while yeah. working four days, but I thought I could do it. And the the boss said no. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to have to leave then. And so I had nothing else to go to. I had no job to go to, but I thought I really want to do this degree. So yeah, so I quit my job. And then my, my partner, she said to me, well, I'm happy to support you, but you need to be able to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> which is fair, I guess. <laughs> That's quite fair. And then the job came up with the Scottish Documentary Institute and it paid exactly what my bills cost, like maybe £50 off. Now that's just paying the mortgage and the electricity and yeah, yeah. the council tax, not the stuff on top like me buying DVDs and books. and <laughs> which, you like, which you like to do. <laughs> well, exactly. We need a little bit of that, but um, but it paid the bills. And so I took that job and did the course, but I did over two years. So, because I just thought I can't, I need to work. And I, and, and actually Nigel, who we mentioned there, Nigel Smith, when I went for my, I think it was when I went for my interview or maybe it was before the interview. And I said to him about, you know, I, oh, I want to do this full time. And he said, well, actually, why? Why are you doing yeah. full time? You not do it part time. He says, if you do it over two years, you obviously you can work and you've got a bit more time. And it also means you can maybe sit in classes again. So this year I've sat in, one of the, the script script writing, screenwriting one, I can't remember the name of the, the class now, but where we do the sort of one minute scripts and the five minute scripts and things. So I'm sitting in, I'm not getting graded, but I get to sit in on it and write new scripts. Yeah. So you kind of get to double up on some of it, which is quite nice. No, I definitely think that's an advantage. Uh, I loved the course. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, but you know, full time, there was a lot of pressure and Sometimes I think did uh, maybe I would have benefited from doing it part time, but you know that's a lesson in itself. And yeah, it's not like I could I can still write now and things. Well, exactly. And and, and you know I I look at you and the others in the class and think, well, part of me wishes I'd finished earlier because yeah. then I could be out there looking for things. Because now I'm sort of <laughs> like a year behind almost. Yeah. But 
But then, of course, we've had this again, and I sort of part of me thinks actually I'm glad that I'm doing it over two years because who yeah. knows maybe there'll be more jobs next year. But I f- yeah, there totally is. I mean, to be honest, I don't think you're missing out a lot at the moment. There isn't much, but it's a, it's a, this whole industry is a pay, is about patience, and I mean you'll know that much better than me. And you know it's about patience and mm-hmm. and like sort of just you know taking your chances, but also just yeah being patient is a big part and waiting for stuff to come along. It's it's a it's a gradual thing, especially in the writing side of it. Totally. And, and also having a few things, a few irons in the fire, I suppose, and, and different projects on the go, whether it's screenwriting or, you know, book stuff. I'm, I've got another few book ideas I want to work on at the same time. And, and, and next year will be the major project. So be writing that over the summer and, and then still needing to work. But uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, you're right. Having patience and, and, and not putting all your eggs in one basket and thinking, I mean, we had a talk the other day from Colin McLaren. Who, um, yeah, who is like who I worked with on my major project, and I generally one of my, a brilliant person, and has done so much for me, and as a as an artist and as a writer, that yeah, I think just sorry, I just wanted to give him a wee tribute there because yeah, yeah. Colin, Colin McLaren is a, a, a brilliant. If you yeah, if you haven't seen uh, the Legend of Baron and Thompson, go and watch that. Yeah, and I remember about I don't know six or seven years ago, I was asked to be on the BAFTA Scotland panel judging panel for the. Scottish film of the year and Colin had written a film called Donkeys and that was one of the, the films on it and I just remember well that one I, I remember really making the it's case a really for good it. script really good script brilliant yeah so so he's great but he said something in the class about five years he said something about you know you know in five you'll be doing this you're you're trying to get into the industry for five years at least or something yeah, like that he told me that as well yeah and it kind of although I sort of knew that I mean I know I'm not just going to graduate and stuff's going to happen well, it might not, it probably won't. It's just like you say about time. And it's like, well, five years actually, yeah, because you've got to graduate, then you've got to earn money. So you've got to get a job and then yeah. you've got to write in your spare time. And then, yeah, it all takes time. Definitely. And I don't expect to be writing. I mean, I'd love to. I don't, I suppose, I don't know what you what you feel or, or, or think, but it's hard to say, like if people say, what what, what are you doing the course for? What, what's at the end of it? It's impossible. You can't say, well, I'm going to be so writing hard. films because you're probably not. You yeah. can't really, you're not. What it's a weird course. I think we're slightly strange. A lot of people who do courses off the top of my head, nursing, like my mum was a nurse, so it's just in my in my head there. But, you know, that's a that's a recognised, you can almost certainly, well, hopefully go and get a job in nursing or, you know, a, a f- um, finance sort of a accountant. Yeah. You can get a job or, or teaching or stuff like, like that. Or teaching, exactly. But as a screenwriter, you can't, there's not really that many jobs in the paper that say you'll come and be a screenwriter. It's there's, really there's difficult. There's none. If you have a Google screenwriting job, it's hilarious. Nothing, nothing there for that. Oh, we're doing spending our time and money I know. on this career that might never happen. But it's, yeah, it, it's difficult and but the thing is you know what I love about the course and I think that you know it's I didn't see it as just a screenwriting course it was it was like a brilliant I got to meet loads of different people I obviously learned how to write but I also you know was in the screen academies around all these like-minded people and you know even the podcast I would never have done the podcast if I hadn't done this course that, that this is all like you know comes out of you know this you know just studying and being around creative people so yeah it's good for all that yeah. stuff yeah, yeah and I've always wanted um, you know I said to you before this started I think it was before we started recording I mentioned that I had the, the or maybe it was when I started I'm losing track of what we said but the the, doc, the leaflet I had talked to the BBC I think yeah. we started at that point so clearly there was something going back 25 years about me wanting to do something in telly and so that is that is part of the reason I'll be really honest that is why that's one reason I'm doing the course because we're learning so much about 
behind the scenes on telly and treatments and script analysis and script reporting and the kind of mechanics of it rather than just saying, oh, go and write a nice script about yeah, no, to- action, totally. uh, go write an action film. We're actually right. So, and we know that there are people who have been on the course who now work in, in telly and people Definitely. come on and do give us talks who are screen script editing. And so it's not, uh, I, it might not happen, but I hope, my hope is that I've now got a little bit more experience that people Definitely. might go, okay, you've got all your experience in the past and this new stuff. Yeah. So maybe in a year or two, there'll be a job. But no, de- de- definitely. And I think a key word you used the whole the episode is just how you want to be creative. And, and in episode three, Chris talked mm. about storytelling. And I think that's a big thing. It's not just, I'm not, I don't see myself as a writer per se. I, I try and think of I'm a storyteller, whether that be a runner on a film, you know, this podcast, you know, scripts, anything really. So I think... Yes, that's what I sort of think of it as. Just get a real I ask everyone that comes on the podcast if there's been a, a, a job that you'd had to work, basically, that to support your art that you just hated or had lots of funny stories. So what's the worst part-time job or full-time job you'd, ever, you'd had in your years of this? Well, I suppose... <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, one of them, it wasn't really, I suppose it wasn't actually supporting my art because I was in Australia and I was taking a year off but I did end up working in a job selling phone lines door to door so sort of I think it was telly I can't remember what they were called in Australia tell not tell star but tell something and just having to go to people's doors and saying would you like to change your phone line to this one and I, I can just remember you would get the husband opening the door and they were really keen because it was saving money and then the wife yeah. would come along she's like no don't <laughs> She'd always control the sort of all that side of it. That was a terrible job and I didn't last very long. And actually there was another one in Australia, which was, I can't remember the, the reasons for it, but we had to phone up the, the sort of directory inquiries and try and get phone numbers or addresses of people. And you had to do like a hundred a day. So it was really weird because you'd, but I remember reading, I think on day two, I took a magazine in with me because it was so boring. And I got, I think I got fired actually from oh my that. God. Because I read the magazine. That's brutal. And I was like, but I'm not, I was like, all I'm doing is, hitting recall to phone directory inquiries to ask it doesn't take any brain power no. i think that's my problem i mentioned the visit scotland thing if i get bored i either i suppose I either disconnect or i try and make things better and suggest yeah. stuff and, which is totally but, fair. yeah so there's that and then the other job i suppose which is actually a job that many people have had was just working for a bank in, in scotland in edinburgh well i mentioned standard life bank uh, which was just i mean you know the people were nice enough but it I just didn't realize how much red tape was involved. Mm-hmm. And I realized I never want to work in a bank ever again. And I've had offers, you know, recruitment people come through sometimes and say, do you want to do website stuff for a bank? And I have to say no every time because it's yeah. so boring. And I just remember having to write copy for this website about mortgages, which mm-hmm. was boring anyway. But then you would have to submit it to fight the legal team. Oh god! And then you'd have to make like two or three copies of this doc of this thing that you'd you'd have to print off the website copy onto paper, put it in a folder so they always had a record of it on print and print. Then take it through to the legal people who would then have to sign it off or say to you, you can't say this about a a mortgage because it's if you say that, then you've got to even up with this. Just the worst. And I can remember (laughs) uh, actually being in the the toilets one day I don't know if I was in tears maybe I was in tears but I was certainly I remember like in films where you see people sliding down the wall Mm -hmm. in like agony 
I actually did that. And I can remember thinking, this is the worst job in the world because it was very stressful as well. So that was one of the things I thought I've got to get out. And there was probably, who knows, maybe around about that time, I was thinking more about writing stuff that I actually enjoyed than, yeah. than mortgage copy for a website. And so that was pretty bad. But <laughs> otherwise, I've been quite lucky, I think. And no job has been terrible. And if it's been bad, I just kind of get out. I feel no, that, that's a good uh, way to live. I think I think that's good. Uh, so that's pretty reasonable. Um, yeah. Just, well, Jonathan, thank, first of all, thank you very much for your time and talking to us. I appreciate. It. I know you, you, you're a really good person to talk to for this podcast because you've done so much stuff, like create, you know, creative wise. You know, you published some books. You've done the journalism stuff. You've got your websites, and obviously now you're a screenwriter. So mm, right to do the screenwriting, yeah. Well, you know, is is as much as anyone else, but. Um, yeah. No, I appreciate it. I just wondered before I let you go, um, do you have any, I know, well, to be fair, you'd actually been giving tips for the whole time with un, unintentionally. I think mean, some of what you'd said has been really useful, but do you have any, could you be able to give us some tips for anyone who maybe wants to, you know, just work in the arts in general, but particularly maybe be a journalist or write their own books or, you know, be a screenwriter type thing? Well, one thing I, I, you were saying there about jobs supporting your art. I mean, actually, I've been probably more thinking about having jobs I don't know how to say this, really. Jobs, I've, I quite like having money. And I quite like, no, I don't mean like loads of money. I just mean having enough money. I mean, I have gone through periods when I've worked in jobs and I've had virtually no money. And, you know, money, you're actually in, in you're in your overdraft at the end of the month. Mm. That's thankfully not been for a long time. And you're just, you're skint all the time. So it's been nice. It's nice to be able to afford a coffee or a new DVD. So I suppose most of the time I've actually tried to have a job is what I'm trying to say. So a full-time job doing something that I can do and that's using those skills, whatever they are. But I suppose it's being able to write something, knowing a bit about communications or marketing. I'm not a marketing expert, but I was working in a marketing team a few years ago and I've done a bit of that. So so my, I suppose when it comes to tips, it's for me, it would be, unless you really, I mean, I think actors, maybe it's different and musicians, I guess it's different. But if you're writing, I think you can probably have a full-time job and also do stuff in the evenings, which is, I suppose, the point I'm trying to make, which is what I've done. And and I have, now I'm trying to balance up a bit. So I've kind of gone the other way and now I am a bit more skint because, uh, you know, I've done, I'm doing this yeah. course and now I owe money and I'm doing a job that doesn't really pay all the bills. But generally, yes, try and have a job that pays your bills. That's I keep yeah. saying that now. And try and do stuff that you enjoy, which I've also mentioned a few times. But I think find what your niche is as well. Definitely. Um, because there's so many people, like I get emails, not so much these days, but for, for a while I was getting emails from people saying, I'd like to review for your website. And actually, I used to review for my website, write film reviews. And I stopped because nobody was reading them. Because... There are so many reviews out there. And now with Twitter and Facebook, everyone reviews, even just on, you know, 240 characters or 280 or whatever the characters yeah. limit is on Twitter. So people don't need to read your 700 words on the new Marvel film. So I focus more on interviews with people who, were, who I thought were interesting. So don't just copy everyone else. Try and do something different and unique and ideally something you really enjoy. And I think then you will be more inspired to do it. So if you come home at night and you are tired, but you really love, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, let's say Scottish film, and you're happy to interview someone who, who directed a five-minute film, then 
you'll actually put the effort in. Yeah, definitely. Whereas if you're not interested and it's just something really bland and boring and you're like, God, it's another Marvel film. Yeah, I, should, I suppose I should write some a review. I'll, I'll put it off till tomorrow. You just won't do it. No. So, so yeah, find something you, that's a, kind of a niche that no one else is doing and find something that you really enjoy. And I think things will come from that because me publishing my book on Tremors, I did it all myself. But then I had something to show a publisher who could say, oh, he's done that. And he, I sent him a copy of the book. And he said, oh, this looks like a real book. And it's amazing the amount of times people have said that to me. This looks like a real book. Well, it is a real book. It's just yeah. published by Amazon on a machine that prints it overnight rather than me having a thousand copies in my, in my garage or whatever. <laughs> but so, yeah, I think that's my long way of, of no, trying great, to give up. Jonathan, that's, that's great. Sure. Some great tips there. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And also, well done again on the book. I'm, I'm really happy that it's doing well. And I'll, yeah, we'll plug it all in. So, just a reminder. Go and buy Jonathan's books and support Real Scotland. Yeah, sign up to the newsletter yeah. and all that stuff. We'll link all this. But Jonathan, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks again for inviting me on. No Good luck with the rest of the episodes in the series. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Just Get A Real Job. Uh, I'd like to once again thank Jonathan for coming in and speaking to us. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, remember, if you want to find a bit out a bit more about Jonathan's website, Real Scotland, or a bit more about his books check the links below the podcast yeah so over the christmas period me and elliot will be taking a wee break from the podcast because uh, we've been working really hard to sort of make this as good as we can and i think for elliot's sanity and um, we should give him a wee holiday over christmas but yeah we'll be back again as normal in the new year but as i said at the start of the podcast we have a special announcement to make so seeing it's christmas next week we will be doing a wee christmas special episode so we're gonna have some familiar faces coming back for that so some previous guests dropping in so that'll be quite fun to do. Uh, yeah, so that'll be out next week. Uh, but yeah, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to like us on social media, to share it with your friends and family, tell people to listen to it, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, all the usual stuff that is much appreciated. But yeah, I'll be back in next week with the Christmas special. See you then, folks. Just get a real job.